was like, if it was a women, small group is my thing, but it's everybody. <laughs> so, yeah, <clears throat> he did say some of the <clears throat> things I was going to say um, as far as being a little fiery <laughs> last year. And it was because it was intense and we were in a fight spiritually. And, um, and I'm a mom who was fighting for hurting children. And uh, the devil lost, like Rob said, because we had those two grandbabies. So <clears throat> real quick before I get started on the heels of that, I want to uh, mention Emily had written a book um, about her journey. Um, her story is in here. My story is in here. It's called Immovable. It's remaining steadfast through pregnancy loss and the waiting. So her heart is if there's anybody that is <clears throat> trying to have children or know someone trying to have children that's dealt with miscarriages, infertility, or none of the above, but are facing, looking to having children in their future, this is a great, encouraging book. Um, it's, you know, written from her heart. There's plenty of encouragement and word in here. Um, like I said, her story's in there, my story's in there. It's testimonies. It will encourage someone, any person that you know, married that's trying to have children. Um, so to make it easy, we, she does not have enough of the books printed, but on these back counters back here is a slip of paper, and it has the QR code, and you can get it for free digitally or pass it along to someone you know and love that is looking to have a baby or has struggled, that's grieving loss or hurting, um, feeling discouraged. Put this in their hands. It's free. Grab this in the back. Amen? Awesome. All right, well, let's pray and we'll get started. I got a, I'm a woman. I got a lot to say, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that this is the day that we get to honor moms. And Father, we just receive that honor and that blessing that you've given us to bear children, to have children, to raise children. Lord, that we know that we can look upon you because we're not doing it alone. Father, that you've given us your Holy Spirit, that you've given us the strength and the power to do everything that you've called us to do. Lord, I just pray for your message to be heard today. Father, that we just have a defining moment and that we leave today encouraged and feeling the love of a father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And <clears throat> thank you, Rob, for mentioning my mom because you don't really walk around going, well, I don't have a mom. But I do think about those that grieve the loss of their moms today because we think and we reminisce and have our stories and our thoughts. But I also am very, very grateful that at a young age, I have a mother-in-law that has treated me just like a natural daughter. And so she has filled in the gap in a mighty way for me and my children. And God has blessed me and he will do the same for anybody, you know, that has that void that needs to be filled. Amen. Amen. And I text her early this morning, so I think I beat you, but that's okay. <laughs> Anywho, <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to get started. I'm going to read a dream that was given to me two years ago, and I don't, I'm not a person that just, you know, sits around on dreams, and I don't ever hardly remember my dreams, um, but God brought this to my remembrance as I was walking through these chairs praying one day, I don't even remember what day of a week it was, but um, so I felt like God was not nudging me because I was like, I don't have anything, Lord. I don't have anything, Lord. So he's like, remember that dream? So it's kind of sparked the direction of where I'm going today, 
And I wrote it in my journal. I had to go dig my journal out of the bottom of a drawer because we've moved, and I've gotten two new journals since then. So I had to dig it out, and, and I just I typed exactly what it said because I don't want to reinterpret it a different way because this is how God gave it to me. So I'm going to read it from my paper, and then I'm going to you know move on and look a little more professional. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, two years ago, I had a dream. We were living in Indiana, and it was before COVID. Rob and I were in our room. Caleb, Emily, and Adeline were downstairs in the basement. I hear all this commotion outside, and I hear my neighbor yelling, fire, fire. I run to the window expecting to see something small on fire, and I couldn't see anything. So I go to the deck, which is like a balcony from my bedroom. I see this huge explosion in the distance. Tons of smoke rolls in, fires rolling in, and it's spreading as far as I can see and as wide as I can see. And it's moving our direction. It's huge. We lived at this time in this dream. We were in New Albany. So it's all this hills, hills and trees, beautiful terrain, and it's just this huge fire just rolling in. We, click, we quickly decide <clears throat> that it's coming, that we better get, on our, better get our important things and go. I'm yelling down to the kids, fire, get your birth certificates, get your important papers, we have to leave. And so in my, in my dream, I'm like running around, you know, like, where did we put this? Where did we put that? We got to go, it's coming. And so I woke up and my heart was racing and I was still in that moment, that frantic moment of, oh my gosh, this is coming, we got to go. And, you know, I'm from Louisiana, so we, have, you know, we have not personally had to evacuate, but we've had remnants of evacuations and have been prepared to evacuate. We have been in tornadoes where we have had to take shelter, and tornado has come to our house. So I know all the thoughts of, do we have batteries? Do we have this? Da, da, da. Fires, not so much. <laughs> so I woke up, and... Um, I realized that it was a dream. I was relieved, and I laid in bed thinking if it were real life, what would I do? Are we prepared? Where's all of our important stuff, our passports, our birth certificates, anything special that I would want to grab? The twins weren't home, so I thought about all of the stuff that was theirs that I would grab. I pictured all of our cars in the driveway with all the doors open and all the trunks open them, and we're just filling them up with as much stuff as we could because the fire was coming. After thinking through my immediate response of what I would do in that situation, I suddenly had a change in my spirit about the fire. I can see clearly how it was so full, so bright, and rolling in my dream. My spirit was reminding me about the fire of God. How many times have I had prayed for fire from God? I asked myself, if I could see the fire of God coming, how would I react? What would I do to prepare for his fire? Am I sharing about him? Am I urgently speaking his name? As urgent as it is to warn my family and neighbors that natural fire was coming, the Holy Spirit reminded me how urgent it is to let my family and peers know that he is coming. In a time of crisis, am I yelling, Jesus, what's coming out of my mouth? Am I doing my part to make sure my loved ones and the people I see every day are hearing about Jesus? <clears throat> I had to think, and my first thought was, hell is real, heaven is real, 
And we don't really like to think about hell as much as we think about heaven because we're going to heaven. That's eternity. We think about the streets of gold. We think about who we're going to see. We think about, I mean, I can't wait to meet people from the Bible. I can't wait to hear the angels singing holy, holy, holy all the time. Um, not hurting, no pain, restored bodies. Like we think amazing. Like our minds can't even fathom all of heaven. But then we don't really pay much attention about hell. And it's real. And so it stirred me up of, um, does my loved ones know about Jesus? Do, like, they know, but do they know him? Are they living for him? Are they saved? I don't want anyone burning. You know, it's to see a fire in the distance coming that's causing destruction but I want them to see that fire of the Holy Spirit that's coming, that's bringing restoration. Amen. So the fire that I saw in my dream, it was so vibrant and it became so real to me about the fire of God. It will roll in and consume you in such a mighty and powerful way. So I grew up, my dad was a retired firefighter. So I grew up in a firefighter's home and, you know, I love to hear the sirens go by because I was like, is that dad? You know, is he on that fire truck? And then it was the ambulances or it was his, you know, chief's car going on a run. Because I couldn't wait till he got home that evening. And the first question I say, tell me about your runs. You know, what happened today? Because we, we lived in the neighborhood where the fire department was. Well, being a fireman's kid, the houses that we lived in, we always had practice fire drills. We'd, he'd say, fire, fire. We'd get on our hands and knees, and we'd walk to our, we'd crawl, I guess, to our door and touch the doorknob. Is it hot? And he'd say, it's hot. You can't come out of here. You've got to go the other way. And so we'd practice climbing out of our windows. In Louisiana, we don't have basements. So, you know, we had a one-story house, so it was an easy climb. Um, if it, the door handle wasn't hot, we could crawl out and go out the front door. <laughs> But we practiced these fire drills. And, you know, we, we would have to go to our neighbor to call the fire department or 911. And it made me think, if we are doing all that preparation for a real fire, I'm not going to my neighbor's house going, hey, there's a fire. There's, I'm like, no, fire! Fire, help me, fire! We're not sitting there going, oh my gosh. There's a fire next door. Help me. You know, we're not whispering. It's not a mild moment. It's a big moment. And so when the Holy Spirit was revealing to me about what or what's coming out of your mouth in a crisis moment, is it, oh, a cuss word? Is it, you know, oh my gosh, or shoot? Or are you yelling at somebody that just hit you? Or, you know, what's coming out of your mouth? It needs to be Jesus, amen? And I'm, look, I'm preaching to myself. You know, I'm not a cusser, so it wouldn't be that. It might be poop. <laughs> but I'm fixing it. It's going to be Jesus. But I remember <clears throat> my pastor's wife and her two daughters were hit head-on in a head-on car collision. Her youngest daughter was not conscious at the scene. Miss Becky was <clears throat> laying out on the side of the road, and Rob was with Brother Sam when they came up on to the accident, and you could hear Miss Becky 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. She couldn't be with her girls. She didn't know all of what was going on, all of what was happening, but she knew to call on the name of Jesus. And they had miracles working in that family. That's my response. That's what I want to have is to know, to be close enough in my relationship with him that that's the first response coming out of my mouth in a crisis moment. So we get our escape plan together. So what do we do when we need to get prepared for the fire of God? So we don't necessarily want to experience a fire in our house, at our workplace, anywhere that we're at. But when we're talking about the fire of God, that's a fire that I crave, a supernatural fire. It's a fire that I never want to quench. It's a fire being full of the Holy Spirit that you cannot be silent or keep to yourself. So what is the fire of God? You know, some people may have never heard that term or wonder, what do you mean by fire of God? Is he, he's not sitting down fire, sending down fireballs. But it's a fire that's up on the inside of you that's contagious. It's a burning desire to grow and to mature in your relationship with him, to have joy and excitement about who he is in you because you know him. And you can't keep it to yourself. You have got to let it out. We know what a fire is. It's huge. It's hot. Sometimes it's small. But a fire, the fire of God I'm talking about is it's vibrant. It lights up. It intensifies. It comforts. And it brings warmth. Romans 12:11 says, "Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot, radiant with the glow of the Holy Spirit, and let him fill you as you serve him." That's what I want to be. I want to be radiant and boiling hot with the Holy Spirit that he's going to fill me up. So transitioning from my dream, talking about fire and the fire of God and transitioning from natural fire to supernatural fire, there was the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And we, excuse me, we've come off the, the teaching of the books of Acts. We've talked about the Holy Spirit lately. But in my dream, it was the knowing him as a person. And, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people throughout the week, all day, every day. I talk to people. I'm a people person. But even, you know, even friends that aren't here and loved ones that aren't here and in my own self being stirred up that God has given us the Holy Spirit and that we sometimes can get, get numb to that or we have forgotten about that and the fact that <clears throat> he's here on purpose. So I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Who is he? John 14, 16 says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And some translations, this one says he's an advocate. Some translations, he's a counselor and he's a helper. He's from your father. <clears throat> he's part of the Trinity. So we have God who's on the throne. We have Jesus who's at the right hand of the father. And then we have the Holy Spirit who is here with us. He's part of God. He's a gift that God's given us. 
He's our helper. Jesus said that we will know him and the spirit will teach us all things. John 15, 26. And I will send you the divine encourager from the very presence of my father. He will come to you the spirit of truth emanating from the father and he will speak to you about me. John 16, 7. But here's the truth. It's to your advantage. This is Jesus talking. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. It's part of God's plan. When Jesus left, he sent us the Holy Spirit. Jesus called him the Spirit of Truth. It's a benefit that we have um, to have the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to share a few things, a few benefits that we have that was in the word that we've read. That he'll give us instruction. John 16, 13. But when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. He will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine, and reveal it to you. He gives us instruction. He tells us things to come. He gives us power. But you will, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What incredible power. We've read, I mean, we read this scripture all the time and we, we know we get the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave them power to be witnesses everywhere. That's incredible power. And that's the power that's in us. It's not a lightweight thing. Like, it's worth celebrating and being excited about. Put those shoulders up. You know, I've got the power of God in me. He has given me the Holy Spirit and power. He gives us fruit. Galatians 5.22. This is the Passion Translation. I like them. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love and all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness of life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of the Spirit meant to be limitless. Amen. He's given us the fruit of the Spirit. And we think about the fruit of, you know, love, peace, joy, kindness. This is a revelation of the fruit of the Spirit, which is in us. That's what helps make us better. That's what helps guide us and lead us to be godly people, to be bold and be witnesses and to walk in love with others. The Holy Spirit, he is a gift. The the Holy Spirit is a gift that the qualities it produces in our life It's like receiving presents from heaven. And it's gifts of blessings, miracles, and powers. And it's a free gift. All you have to do is receive it. I like gifts. I mean, come on. (laughs) But this is coming from your Father. The Holy Spirit, our friend, just like any relationship you have, you've had to build those relationships. Today, sometimes we don't talk as much because we text, but we still know what's going on or keeping up with our relationships, right? The Holy Spirit wants that relationship with you. All you got to do is talk to him. He's given to us to be our friend. I talk to him in the car. I mean, 
When my kids were little, I may have to just say, I'm taking a bath. I mean, it turned into a full-on bubble bath because this was my moment. Nobody could come interrupt me. And that was my time with, with God, you know, doing the dishes. I get that it's not always easy for everybody to just spend an hour of alone time with the Holy Spirit in the busyness of life. But we've got to be able to invest in our relationship with the Holy Spirit because if we don't, then we won't know him and we won't be able to hear from him. So when the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you, he must communicate to your born-again spirit. And then from there, he speaks to our mind. Because, you know, people will say, how do I know? I mean, how do I hear from the spirit? It's a thought. He's speaking to your spirit and it comes to your mind. And, you know, a lot of times, I'm sure I'm not the only one. You have a thought and you go, oh, is that me? Or is that the Holy Ghost? No, that's not the Holy Ghost. That's just me. That's just me thinking that. No, I don't know. Is that the Holy Ghost? (laughs) Well, in time and familiarity with him and spending time with him, you will develop that relationship and you'll know when you're hearing from him. And you're either going to have peace or you're going to have no peace. That's the simplest way I know how to tell people to hear from, from God or from the Holy Spirit. Do you have a peace about that? If you don't have a peace about that, then don't change anything because he's well able to speak to you. Amen? So go with the peace. Don't go with the no peace. Um, he's a helper. He helps you. So I want to share a few. Y'all know me. I like to be real and personal. So I'm going to share a few, just a couple of stories of how the Holy Spirit has impacted my life, you know, where there's been an obedience and there hasn't been an obedience. One starting is when I was 12 years old, Rob, you know, mentioned my mom earlier today, and I was fixing to head off to my first youth camp. We lived in Louisiana. I was probably one of the younger ones going, and we were headed off to Cocoa Beach, Florida, which was a huge deal for me. They had, you know, we had several, you know, buses, Greyhound buses going because there were several of us in the youth group. My very best friend was going. This is a best friend who our parents got saved and spirit-filled together. They got kicked out of the Baptist church together because they spoke in tongues. And so we were raised together. We did everything together. We rode bikes together. We lived in the same neighborhood. And we did gymnastics. We were in school. Like, we just spent all of our time together. And her name was Trista, and Trista's going to camp. And so, Mom, can I go? I want to go to camp. And we were part of this youth group at our church called JIA's Juniors in Action. (laughs) And so, it was a big deal. You know how it is when you finally get to be old enough to go to camp. And so our youth camp, you know, we went to kids' camp, and uh, we were prepared to go. And the day before, my mom came to me, and she said, Julie, I'm not going to be able to let you go to camp. And I'm like, no. Like, what? And she's like, Julie, I just don't have a piece about it. Like, I can't explain it. And she was stuck on that. Like, I can't explain it. I don't have a piece about it. It's not open for discussion. You're not going. And I mean, I could not, my mom did not allow to talk back. (laughs) You know, I might, you know, get a little pop. But um, in love, I mean, back then you weren't arrested for that. (laughs) 
So, I mean, I had my thoughts, and I'm sure it was all over my face, <laughs> but I was heartbroken. And she just was like, you can't go, you know. I don't have a piece about it, and me and your dad talked about it. And so <clears throat> the morning of camp, my best friend Trista rolls by my house, early, early in the morning, because they were getting on the bus early, trying to plead my case with my mom to let me go, you know, please let her go, well, da, 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 da. you know, all the, you know, trying to debate for me, didn't work, so she had, Trista had brought me a book and some different things, and, you know, we said our goodbyes, and off she went. Now, this was not the days of cell phones where we could text and FaceTime and keep up with all the stuff's going going on over there. You had to wait till they got home to hear all about camp. Well, <clears throat> a few days into camp, it wasn't the last night. They still had some days left, but a few days into camp, my mom woke me up in the middle of the night, <clears throat> had me come sit on the couch, and she said, <clears throat> you need to get dressed. We're heading over to the LeBlancs. That was her last name. And Trista has been in an accident. And we're heading over to the LeBlancs. And I just remember going, is she okay? Like, can we, you know, talk to her? Can we get over there? Like, what do we do? How do, we, how do I see Trista? And she's like, she's not okay. Like, she's, she was killed. And she was crossing the street late at night. There was a group of them going to Denny's. And they were at a corner and went straight across. And Trista was back and went diagonal. And there was a truck coming who didn't see her late at night and hit her, and it killed her instantly. And as tragic as it is, and even though I didn't pick up on all of that at that moment, now older and being a mom even, I would have been right there with her. Either that and been hit as well, or I would have, and I would have, what's the word, witnessed it. And it, you know, what a tragedy that I don't, and thank goodness God protected me from that. And my mom was willing to say no, because I don't have any bad memories of seeing that accident, of seeing her messed up and, you know, all the horrible things and, and the damage that was done and having to be away from my family by myself and, or drive on a, you know, 20-something hour bus ride home. So I say that to, to you, even not just parents, but anything that you face, go with your peace. <laughs> go with your peace. The Holy Spirit can tell you, and even if it's not a popular answer, if you have no peace, there's a, there could be a very good reason. Amen? So as hard as that was, I'm thankful that my mom was willing to obey the Holy Spirit that spoke to her and protected me from that. And Trista did get saved over camp, and I know that she's in heaven today. Amen. So another story, and this is kind of, you know, I have permission to share this. We have shared this story <clears throat> concerning Emily before, but this is coming from a parent. Um, again, you can relate it to any era of part of your life that you're in. But we, when Emily was 15 years old, which was... 11 years ago, whoa, um, we had, we were pastoring in Jackson, Tennessee, and we had this girl come to the church, she was 16, she was a little older than Emily, and she was pregnant at the time, and she lived with her dad, had a very rough, poor household, I mean, just a rough childhood, 
and real no relationship with her dad, um, was pregnant, and shows up, starts coming to the church. Well, Emily was befriending this girl. And, I mean, I'm going to sound really awful and tacky. I get it, but there's a point to this. At first, it didn't bother me. But when they started hanging out more, and she wanted to bring her to the house more, I just, on the inside, I felt it. I was like, this is not... This is not who she needs to be hanging around with. This is not who she needs to be clinging to. And Emily was in a good home. She was serving in the church. She was leading. She was not rebellious. She didn't, she wasn't talking back. Like she wasn't ugly. She, you know, she was a good kid. And I, you know, I, in my mind, I'm like, but I trust Emily. But on the inside, I just, I just don't know. Like this, something's just not right. So they would want to go do stuff, and I'd just be like, no, I just don't think so, no. And Emily would kind of battle a little bit. Well, then this girl ended up moving in with her boyfriend. She has the baby, and then she gets kicked out, and it's she needs somewhere to stay. And I remember standing in the kitchen talking with Emily going, absolutely not. Like, you share a room with your nine-year-old sister. This girl is not coming in our house with her newborn baby. Well, can she just stay a few days? No, I do not, and I remember, I do not have a peace about that, you know, and well, we need to be Christians, we need to love one another, we can't be judgy, we need to, um, Emily was really good with her words, <laughs> and I, I just, I thought, you know, I don't have any reason to not trust Emily, but I don't feel good about this, like, we're, we'll do a night, but this is not happening, well, Fast forward a little bit, what it turns into is she was an assignment from hell. And I have no problem saying it that way. I am very direct. She, she was an assignment from hell. She was an assignment to distract Emily and to kill Emily. She did not know it on purpose. I mean, she didn't do it on purpose. She was just a tool that the enemy used because the door was open. So I'm not saying anything about her personally. But <laughs> I knew in my spirit it was a no. So what turns into is, okay, yes. Well, then the baby's here. They're sneaking out. Emily's getting influenced by a group of people that she had no business being influenced by. She starts cutting. She becomes very depressed and very withdrawn. And, I mean, I remember standing in the hallway with her in the bathroom telling us that she's cutting and Rob's at the bathroom door talking to her, loving on her, talking her through it. And I'm just in the hallway going, how did we get here? Like, this is not our family dynamic. Like, we're not a broken home. We, she has two parents that love one another. Like, how did we get here? And we had to go <laughs> into the spiritual battle. And, of course, Emily had to do her part. And, y'all, she has a testimony. She's serving the Lord. This was a short stint too, praise the Lord. But the point of the story, I had no peace. And I wish if I could go back and if any parent can hear me now, I wish I could have been the bad guy and have just said, no, I don't have a peace about it. Instead of questioning, you know, because I think could I have saved her from heartache? Could I have saved her from being exposed to things she shouldn't have been exposed to, to abuse? It's worth making your children mad for a moment 
upset for a moment to protect their future and have years of damage control. Now, thank God that Emily was willing to submit herself to the Lord because she knew enough and she knew that wasn't the route she wanted to go. And God healed her and restored her. And I mean, y'all have seen it here, especially the young kids. She has a heart for girls. Um, and her story is so much greater than just that little tidbit. But I wanted to focus on hearing the Holy Spirit. And I had no peace. My mom had no peace and she was bold enough to tell me no. And she protected me. And I mean, <clears throat> I had no idea when I would let this girl stay that it was going to turn into that. And that God's not mad at me, you know, but as a parent, you hate to see your child go through something that you maybe could have, you know, avoided. Amen? So, you know, we mess up, but God's well able to bring it back around and restore. And I'm not saying this girl, it distracted our whole family. I mean, Emily had to come, like, I, we, we, she laid in the bed with me and cried, and I stayed with her all night, and Rob went over to the church, and he didn't just go pray for an hour. He prayed all night because this was serious. And it wasn't a, just a little courtesy prayer, but it was like, I have to see breakthrough because how did we get here? Amen. So sometimes you do got to do that extra press, press in. And I prayed for that girl. I prayed for her. Lord, send somebody else. Because right now, I'm mom first, and I've got to protect this daughter and then my younger daughter. And, you know, if I could help her, I would, but God didn't tell me to do that. <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's right or not, but he didn't tell me to do that. Um, it, it was a no peace, and there's people that could help her that it would not have hurt their children. Amen. God's big enough to do that. So <clears throat> another simple one to lighten the load a little bit <clears throat> actually this week Rob calls me Monday he and Katie are headed to Costa Rica in about five weeks and so Rob calls Monday and he's like I just pulled out my passport my passport expired and so he's like expediting to get it you know to get it renewed and my question was what made you go pull out your passport because I'm not gonna lie Normally, it'd be the night before. Do we got our driver's license? Do we have our passport? Everything else is digital. We've got it. And he just flat out said it was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit. Thank God, because what a disappointment it would be if he would have waited. But he had to listen and obey to go to the safe and pull it out and look at it. And that was the Holy Ghost. He had to listen and to obey. He's there to help you. Amen. Listen, if I could, if I could encourage you as parents, it's, it's hard today. Um, it's not the same, even certainly when I was a kid, but even when mine were younger teenagers. I mean, it's changing constantly. But I talk to parents. I talk to um, people that aren't in church that are raising kids. We have a lot of relationships outside these four walls. We have staff that works in our daycare that, you know, I try to be, you know, available to because I love them. But I hear a lot of, my kids are going through this. My kids say that they're this. My kids want to do this. 
And I'm not, and it's not good, good things. I don't want to put it all out there. But I'm not hearing many moms standing up going, that's just not godly. That's not godly. That's not who you are. So this is not okay. I love you, but no. Sin is sin. And it's not the popular term, but you know, after going through what we did with Emily, the enemy in playing nice, it's no, he's, he is boldly going after our children. He is all in their face in social media. You don't have, I mean, bless your heart, boys. There's just boobs everywhere all the time. I mean, when I was a kid, it was not. But it's like, they don't even know any different. I remember the day when it was different. And I think about my grandbabies being raised up that way. I know y'all think it's funny. I just, look, I was a medical assistant for many years, and I just have no shame just speaking what it is. But I I don't know what that has to do with it. But it's real. (laughs) It's the truth. Because what does that do? It opens up a spirit of lust. It opens up curiosity, and and to them, you're numb to it because it's everywhere, and everywhere says it's okay. In your home, you have the right as the parent, as a grandparent, as a spiritual head, as a friend, to hold accountability to sin. It's clear as day what sin is and what sin is. Does this please God? Does this glorify God? How else are we going to protect our kids? And they can learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's their helper. He's their comforter. He can navigate. I mean, I'm in conversations all the time, and our staff knows, because Rob will, I'll go, are you nudging me? <laughs> like, are you telling me to be quiet? <laughs> the Holy Spirit does the same thing. He nudges you. He'll be like, don't say that. Oh, don't go that way. Not today. And then you've avoided a wreck, or you've avoided some chaos somewhere. I mean, there's simple everyday life if we'll allow him to be part of our life. That is what it was designed for, how it was designed, a gift from your father. So I do, I want to challenge you parents, and I'm not trying to make it funny. It's very serious because you're compromising a lot. The social media access that your kids have, and we think we got a hold on it. I mean, Emily was slick. It was turn your phones in at night. You know, they're on the counters, we're good. She had another phone in her room. I mean, kids are, they they are not dumb. They are very wise. And I'm not trying to make it hard on the kids, but it's our jobs as our parents to protect you. We're not trying to make life difficult for you. We want to protect you. So kids, when your parents say, I don't have a peace, trust it. Trust it. Don't just think, oh, you're being too strict or, oh, you don't want me to have fun because that's the further from the truth. I can guarantee you your parents are your biggest advocates and they love you more than anybody else in this world and they want the best for you. But we live in a sinful world and it's just getting more lawless and more crazy and we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm sorry I got off on that. Trust yourself that you can hear from the Holy Spirit. If it's a concern, be bold enough to talk about it to your kids. The Holy Spirit wants to interact with you. He was sent here to interact with you. So he wants to be your intimate friend. I I know a lot of times I hear people talk about how lonely they are. 
And, you know, it can be, you know. My kids have each other, but when they first moved up here, they didn't have any friends. It was, you know, it was pretty lonely to just kind of go, go to your room and hang out with yourself. <laughs> you know, there are lonely moments. There's lonelies when you're single. There's lonely, you know, lonely times. Take advantage of the fact that your Heavenly Father loved you enough to give you the Holy Spirit, to be your friend. Talk to Him. I talk to, I talk to the Holy Spirit all the time. He wants to interact with you. Part of growing that relationship, and we've talked about praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so I kind of like to picture my spirit, man, and the Holy Spirit that's in me. And, you know, he kind of probably started off a little like Forrest Gump, just kind of tall and limpy and goofy. And, but then he promoted himself, the mature I got, and he became a Thor. I mean, he's strong. He's got that power. You know, the more I prayed, the more <clears throat> I've gotten to know him. But then, by golly, I couldn't imagine my life without the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues because when I pray in tongues, I feel like my Holy Spirit's the Incredible Hulk. I mean, he's macho. He's so buff, and he's so big because I feel it on the inside. That's where that strength comes from. That's where that courage comes from. That's where that love comes from in that fight like we had last year. We're still fighting over things, amen? Because the enemy's doing it. He has no control. He's a loser. He's under our feet. We have the victory. But we have gotten so careful about what we want to say or what we're bold enough to speak of. And I just want to encourage you today to just Take a look at yourself and where's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you interact with him? Do you know him? He wants to be your intimate friend. So my challenge is, is for you to make room for him. We live a busy life more than we ever have. And I, you know, remember making four breakfasts and four lunches because they all did different things. I mean, I was so proud of myself and so organized. And I mean, I had it all out and they're out the door. They're, they're on time. Hallelujah. And then the afternoon's hit and it's this practice and this ball field and this conversation. Da, 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 da. You know, you come home, everybody's bathed, fed, woo, crash. And then you just start up all over again. It's just like Groundhog Day. <clears throat> I thought I was busy then. We weren't dealing with the stuff that we deal with today on a spiritual aspect in the world that we live in. We weren't faced with the things that require our attention like we do today. So I want to encourage you to make room for him. Build a relationship with him. We can time out in our schedules to have a lunch date, to make us, um, what's Addie, soccer dance, whatever we got going with the kids or grandkids. We put it on the schedule. Oh, I'm going to start eating right. So we go buy all the groceries to eat healthy. Oh, I'm going to start working out. We go get the membership. We're going to get up early or we're going to go fitting in at our lunch break or right after work, we're going to the gym. We make time. We make room for all the important things we want to do. I encourage you to fit that in. Make room for the Holy Spirit because you need him. You need him to navigate your life. You need him to fulfill you, to guide you, to teach you, to equip you, and then set that fire of the Holy Ghost on you. Ephesians 5.15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as wise but unwise, 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to stop there because I have a whole other conversation on that, but I'll stop there. Romans 8, 5. I do like this, though. It says, making the most of every opportunity. Make room. Because the days are evil, therefore don't be foolish. We need to understand what the Lord's will is. Amen. Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desire. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. It's written in His Word. Like God's given us all the instruction and he's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. We just have to expect, accept it. Make room for him in your life today. It's how your heavenly father designed it and the Holy Spirit is from your father. Amen. So we're going to go um, into a time of worship if y'all want to come up. As we're talking, as, we're, as I was writing my notes about making room, I'm not a song person. You can ask my kids. I mess them up all the time. But I remember this song. And I just, I know that people struggle sometimes with, I don't know if I hear from the Holy Spirit. Or I've messed up too much. God's mad at me. He's not. He, he doesn't have to be mad at you. That does him no good. He's a God of love. He's not, he's not giving you a hard time to teach you a lesson. He doesn't have to do that. The enemy does that all by himself. God doesn't desire to teach you a lesson. His desire is to love you. His desire is to know you and to have a relationship with you. So I just want to encourage you. I'm hoping that I'm stirring you up as we think about fire and the fire of God, as we think about the gift of the Holy Spirit and that it's personal, that it was designed from your heavenly Father that he loved us that much that Jesus left this earth to give and gave us the Holy Spirit, who's part of them. He's the part of the Trinity.